Learn more about the albums you love with Dissect, a music analysis podcast hosted by me, Cole Kushner, a lifelong musician and composer. Each season of Dissect dives deep into a single album, forensically dissecting the music, lyrics, and meaning of one song per episode. Our newest season is covering Tyler the Creator's Igor, a beautifully honest album in which Tyler explores love, communication, masculinity, and truth. Listen to Dissect today only on Spotify, because great art deserves more than a swipe. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. Welcome into the weekend edition of the Ringer Gambling Show. Warren Sharp joined, as I always am, on this Friday episode by my good buddy, my gambling pal, Joe House. We're going to run through some of House's favorite bets, a couple of my own. I got some opinions on House's bets as well. And we're going to get to one of your guys' favorite bets. You've replied to a tweet I sent out during the Thursday night game. Drop some of your favorite bets in. House is going to analyze a few of those. I'm going to weigh in. House is going to pick his favorite and make you famous. But before we do that, House, we're going to talk a little bit about Thursday night football. Man, I don't know if it was too late for Tom Brady again or what happened here, but the end result of this game is that the winner of the 2-5 and five Carolina Panthers versus the 3-4 and four Atlanta Falcons will be in sole possession of first place in the NFC South headed into the second half of the season. Sounds absolutely amazing. But what do you think of the game tonight? I am concerned for Tom Brady because I'm not sure he's having fun out there, Sharpie. I mean, we got a lot of angry Tom. We got a lot of frustrated Tom. And he's had a good run. Let's be honest. 20 some years of wildly successful football, beautiful wife, beautiful kids. It's okay to have a little bit of turmoil in your life once in a while. It makes all of us uh, a little bit richer. He's just living it in a very public kind of way. Um, That poor team is not on the same page. It's not anywhere near a version of what we've seen out of the Buccaneers the two previous seasons. And really, the, the shocker to me is the defense. They just cannot get off the football field. They just can't stop the run. I mean, Carolina, I wondered, is this, was that an aberration? Was that, you know, uh, uh, an, an a- element of, of Carolina, you know, very hard to sort of pin down? But the Ravens, in the second half of that game tonight, Sharpie, they just had their way. It was the game plan that we've been expecting out of Baltimore really all season long. A wonderful balance. Lamar threw the ball 30 times in the first half. 
And then the second half, you know, they got some balance. They got the mix. They got designed runs for Lamar. Um, and they really didn't miss a beat with Mark Andrews being out. Everybody's waiting for the Isaiah likely breakout game. Sharpie, we got it. We definitely got it. Um, look, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were like 29th against tight ends. This is one of the reasons why I liked overs on Mark Andrews. Obviously, with his injury, then it was all overs on Isaiah Likely at that point in time. Like, absolutely, the tight ends are the way to attack this team. But it was surprising how efficient the Ravens' running attack was. Two final quick points on this one for me. Number one, really showed, the I think, the difference in creativity from these two play callers. We got Greg Roman for the Ravens. They're down Mark Andrews. They're down their number one wide receiver in Rashad Bateman. And they're still calling creative plays and figuring out how to make an offense work to attack the weaknesses of this defense. And then the other side of the ball, you've got Byron Leftwich and this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that I don't really know what they're doing. They're, they they still were doing for a little while to start the game, this first down run play stuff that does not work when your rushing attack is one of the worst in the NFL. And overall, uh, I think it was through the first half of the game, 50% pass, 50% run on first downs. The first down passes average plus 0.19 EPA. First down runs minus 0.31. First down passes 60% success. First down runs 20% success. Again, it's not going to work when your rushing attack stinks. In years past, we got frustrated. We got on Byron Leftwich for making these play calls, but they had talent defensively and they had enough talent offensively and along the offensive line to make up for it on second and third down if the run game wasn't efficient enough on first down. They don't have that talent right now. The O-line is not quite where it was last year. The receiving core is not cut quite as sprite or as deep. And Tom Brady isn't playing nearly as well. So you're not able to make up for it when you gain one to two yards on these first down runs. And that's pretty much what they were doing. Um, it was a problem. It was a problem last week, the week before. It still is a problem. Now they've lost three games in a row. Um, and, you know, good on the Ravens for being creative and adjusting to their losses and playing down. I still think I, I like the I like having something to talk about on Thursday, but I still think kind of the on-field product for these games. And look at the players dropping with injuries. I mean, I know injuries are a thing. Even if the games are on Sunday, there are going to be players injured. And apparently they did a study several years ago. I think it's time for a new study to figure out how often players on Thursdays get injured because Shaq Barrett is feared to suffer a torn Achilles on initial exam in this game. We've got Mark Andrews goes out with injury. We've got uh, Rashard Bateman. All these guys are trying to come back and play a little bit. The game's too recent to their last game. They end up getting hurt again. It's just, it's just, it's just a problem. But at any rate, let's talk a little bit about this season, House. I know we were in a text thread with Bill Simmons about kind of some of the observations from the season. And uh, before we get into talking about this upcoming slate, which we will in two minutes, why don't you share a little bit about some of the things that we were discussing there? Well, you know, what's funny. It's the poor podfather has been befuddled. He's hitting a rate, you know, he, he, um, across the board, like many of us participates in all kinds of things where you're betting games, um, every game against the slate and, and he's hitting at a, at a, at a pretty high rate, but for the purposes of 
like million dollar picks and the for, for, for the purposes of his own wallet, the variance uh, week to week is so unpredictable um, and is creating the, the, these outcomes. You, you know, all of the sort of old rules for old guys like us, they're out the window. Unders are hitting at an unprecedented rate. Um, underdogs are hitting at an unprecedented rate. And, you know, the, the, we've heard some of the theories about why scoring is down, that the, the too high shell defense that's, that's in vogue over the last couple of years has, you know, produced this um, inclination for offenses to take the middle of the field, short passes and runs. Um, that's eating up game clock. So that, that uh, impacts uh, scoring. And it also um, affects what happens when we get to the to the red zone. So, uh, w- what are you seeing? Like, what what's your 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 sense of this? Because this is like a topic of conversation across the board. No, no doubt. So basically, what I, I I've gone back, obviously looked at this several weeks ago, and teams are playing a little bit more too high shells, but it's not like ten percent more than what they did last year. It's it's ba- barely over a percent more, based based on like league-wide numbers from a couple of weeks ago compared to prior years. Uh, what, what was happening is defense offenses now are saying, well, we got to be prepared because this is the wave of the future. This is what defenses are tending to do more. So offenses in general across the board, and some of this is related to offensive line health, and some of it is related to, I think, quarterbacks and concussions and trying to have career longevity and availability to play in games are trying to get rid of the ball quicker. They're trying to control their own pressure rate. The studies have come out. Quarterbacks can control their pressure rate. You just have to throw the ball a little bit quicker. So league-wide, we're seeing quarterbacks throw the ball shorter and quicker than we have previously. And when they're throwing it shorter and quicker, it's not just because the defenses are playing too high. It's because of these other factors that are at play as well. In addition, they're they're running the football a little bit more frequently because defenses are playing lighter boxes in general. Whether they're playing too high shells or not, the box count is a little bit lighter. And so teams are running it more. Defenses are playing a little bit more zone, inviting the run. And you have this go over like 80 yards of the football field, right? And then you get into the red zone where defenses aren't playing too high shell because they're only defending 10 yards of a field before the end zone, right? So you're not going to sit back into coverage like that. So what defenses start to do down inside the red zone that they aren't doing elsewhere on the field is they're playing a shit ton of man and they're blitzing a shit ton, way more than what they were doing in years past. But it's causing more problems offensively because these quarterbacks aren't used to and accustomed to dealing with that over most of the field because those defenses aren't playing like that anymore over most of the field. And I think it's a shock to their system when they get down into the red zone. Uh, we've seen, uh, I was talking to uh, Solak about this the other day, we're, see- we're seeing worse efficiency on short yardage situations. He's going to be writing that up uh, for the ringer. Um, he was sharing that with me. So there's a variety of things that we're seeing here that is slowing down scoring um, in the NFL a little bit. Now, obviously the odds makers are trying to account for that by lowering the totals and, and, and then at some point we'll reach an equilibrium. But I think these are some of the reasons why we're seeing fewer points being scored. Drives take longer uh, in terms of clock. They consume more yards. More teams are having to convert on third downs because they're throwing the ball shorter and running the ball more. You're not seeing as many explosive plays. You're not seeing as many explosive touchdowns. And thus, you have to matriculate the ball a little bit more 
frequently in order to score touchdowns. And there are less of those to go around, as everybody knows who plays fantasy football, like your guys aren't scoring, like you don't have 10 guys scoring touchdowns on your fantasy squads. Like it's it's much more, it's much more condensed to just a few touchdowns a week. Uh, and it's very frustrating for fantasy people. And if people are betting player prop overs and 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 touchdown overs and uh game overs and things of that nature. So these are things that you have to account for in the more modern football, which I think is really taking shape this season. And it's it's interesting to study. You got to be quick to account for it and you got to start incorporating that into your modus operandi moving forward. Well, and and to the, to your point, now Vegas is responding. 11 of the 15 games are between, you know, one and four points. It's just like they took all the lines. There's three three games that are like nine and a half to ten and a half, uh, but every other game between one and four. So they're like, you know, f it. We're not, we're not putting any more lines out within that four, like the five and a half to ten range. Right, and that's the other thing that the last point I'll make on this is just that when scoring is down, it increases variance. And what I mean by that is a touchdown swings a game much more than it would have. So if an underdog scores a touchdown, like, and maybe it's a fluky touchdown, that's going to weigh a lot more to the game outcome than it would have three or four years ago when teams were scoring more points and offenses could overcome that super quickly by a couple quick drives because those defenses that get the fluky touchdown, then they might sit back and force that offense to, you know, work the ball down the field more and not make a mistake before they score. And so everything is just, it is more wonky. It's the perfect word for it. There's more variance. Um, it's harder to predict things. And I, I, I was telling Simmons this and I'm telling you this and everybody else who's listening, the people that love high variance and uh, unpredictable outcomes are the people that suck at gambling. The people that aren't any good, <laughs> the people that aren't any good at gambling, because what it does is those people that are typically flipping coins, right? Most of the time they'll win 48, 49%, a couple of times they'll win 51, 52%, but most of the time they're down just south of 50%. Um, when they're only betting 30 games, right? They love to be at 20 wins and 10 losses, right? And they might get that way with flipping coins because of all the variants. The people that this frustrates are the people that consistently know which games to identify and target certain spots on the board and say, this is a 56% spot. This is a 58% spot. These are the spots that I know if I bet this game, I bet that game, I've got a win percentage in that range. And then when weird variance shit happens in those games, it just throws those you know, targeted percentages way out of whack. And it is more difficult for the people that have historically been able to identify, I'm betting these three games and I'm betting these four totals. And I know if I do that, I'm going to hit at, you know, 55 or 58%. What it does is create weeks where you have, like like myself, nine and one or one and nine, like you're back and forth. And I've done, I've actually done both of those things this season. It's just a, it's just a, a wild season. And um, that's, that's what variance does for you. So at any rate, um, it's, it's something that we'll see how it plays out the rest of the year, but uh, definitely something to keep an eye on and sharing some of the things that we uncovered. But um, why don't you go ahead and uh, talk about the bet that we got last week from yeah. Our well, wagering buddy that you ended up it. placing a mo placing money on. That's it. I mean, we're we're taking the 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 American betting public by storm 
here on the Friday Ringer Gambling Show, asking for the input from all the betting buddies. The betting buddy wager of the week uh, guy hit us up. He's like, let's go into the black and blue division and let's just tease up uh, uh, the, the, the Ravens and the, the Bengals. Now, we like the Bengals anyways in that position uh, at home, uh, you know, poised to end Atlanta's against the spread run for the season. They were laying six and a half. That one worked out great. Ravens were laying six and a half. That worked out fine. Although the Ravens, you never feel comfortable with the Ravens. Not even, e- even tonight. I mean, you know, it took all the way down to uh, some very good hands on the, the, uh, the, the, the little kickoff effort there to, to clinch it. But um, great job by the betting buddies. We are going to do this again. We're doing it every week, Sharpie. So a lot of great contenders already. You hit them up uh, in the second half of that game, and we're going to pick one. We're going to win some money on it, and we're going to get something to the the the, the great uh, person that 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 passed along the suggestion. I mean, you know, we we've got some some sponsorship out there. I know that I could dig up some some great FanDuel gear for somebody. I'm sure I could pull that together to send yeah. out there. But we, we're going to get a good one. Yeah, the bottom line is we're going to pick one at the end of the show. So we're going to save five minutes at the end of the pod to go through all the suggestions. And guys, you guys love doing this. And House loves reading these off and identifying them and participating. So we are turning this into a bit. We've officially created an official bit. We're still looking for the official sponsor who's going to provide the swag and the merch to go out to you guys, but we're making one of you famous each week by reading off your name and reading off your bet that House is going to select. He's riding with you that weekend, whichever one he chooses out of the replies. So it's very simple. If you want to participate in this every single week, all you got to do is follow me on Twitter at Sharp Football and follow House on Twitter at House from DC. And if you do that on Thursday night during the football game, we're going to tweet out and ask you guys for your bets. Actually, the ringer handle tweeted, retweeted us tonight. You guys are going to get in there. And then whoever ends up getting the selection, if your bet wins, you're going to get some merch. And uh, so we'll get to that at the end of the show. But for now, let's talk about some of the games you've identified, House. Go ahead. Uh, get us started with the first one. I think you got the 49ers at the Rams. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for some intrigue on this slate and... You know, we're we're now at the point of the season where some of these these teams, it's the second version of the matchup. Um, and we have two teams very much in 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 flux, uh, San Francisco and the Rams. And, you know, San Francisco last week against the Chiefs, they were in it. They gave a good effort. It looked good for a while. And then the Chiefs did what the Chiefs do, which is, you know, hyper efficient. They just they just tighten the noose and, and that's that's the end of it. Rams had a bye week. Rams are in the bottom uh, five of of many very important uh, offensive advanced metrics, um, but they do get Van Jefferson back and Van Jefferson speed plus the the uh, predilection of Matthew Stafford to find guys in a certain yardage range. He likes a little bit of that mid range. They don't haven't had. Anybody, poor Cooper Cup. Thank God he's still upright at this point of the season. We know that Kyle Shanahan dominates Sean McVay. The only thing I think I'm interested in, in terms of how I'm going to play this game, is the under. It always feels like these games are under games. And I ran across a stat about unders at SoFi Stadium in these Rams games. There have been 22 home games, and 17 of them have, have gone under. 
notwithstanding like the reputation of that um, that ballpark of being kind of a, a fast track. So I thought that was uh, sort of interesting. I think that's my inclination on this game. But Kyle Shanahan wants to show off his new toy. He's got Christian McCaffrey. Um, well, how, how are you lining this thing up? Well, the one thing I think everybody should be aware of, uh, I don't have a bet on this game, but what I want you to be aware of is the absence of Kyle Juszczyk. And yeah. that's a big that's a big loss. And I'll tell you why it's a big loss. And obviously it impacts them in the run game, okay? A little bit of, they're not going to be as punchy in the run game with him out on the field. But what I don't think people are going to realize until they see the game on Sunday, and maybe it'll come to fruition or maybe it won't be, maybe it won't. But when he's not there on the field, this pass game suffers. This pass game definitely suffers. You're like, well, okay, he's only targeted a couple times. How could the pass game suffer? It's his presence on the field in 21 or 22 personnel that causes the defense to react and play that offense accordingly. And then Kyle Shanahan has all the weapons at his disposal to attack a defense that's using personnel trying to defend his 21 or 22 personnel. So let me just go through a couple quick numbers because this happened in 2019, the year that they went to the Super Bowl. Kyle Juszczyk was injured at the end of week five, and he missed weeks six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, so he missed those four games. But weeks one to five, when he was there, when he was there and they were passing the football with him on the field in 21 or 22 personnel, this offense averaged plus 0.61 EPA per attempt and 70% success, 70%. When they were in 11 personnel, obviously he's not on the field because he's a fullback, three uh, wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back in 11. They were only successful 41% of the time. And 12 personnel, they were only successful 10% of the time. And both of those had negative EPA per pass attempt, both of those personnel groupings. So the only one that had positive uh, EPA per attempt and positive success is when the fullback was out on the field. The rest of their passing game was not positive. The same thing is going on right now. When the fullback is out on the field in 2022, this season, when he's out on the field, plus 0.28 EPA per attempt and 56% success when they pass the football. I'm not saying they pass it to him. I'm saying when he's on the field, this offense has efficiency when they are passing the ball. But when they are using 11 personnel or 12 personnel to pass the football, meaning he's on the sidelines, negative EPA in both of those personnel groupings and sub 50% success in success rate in both personnel groupings. So what happened when he left the field in during his injury span in 2019? Well, the offense just decreased in their overall efficiency when they were trying to pass the football. 11 personnel, 12 personnel, they had a little bit more EPA than usual in 11 and 12, but it didn't come close to the efficiency that they were getting from 21 or 22 when he had been out on the field. So I'm just saying, like, we don't even know if Debo Samuel is going to go that's in that the, game. That's and he the one is I was massive mention. as well. Right. So you got maybe Debo's not there and Juszczyk's not there. So they can't use 21. They can't use 12 or they can't use 22. What they end up doing, House, is they end up passing more from 11 and running more from 12 because Kyle likes to run from heavier personnel groupings. But running from 12 has not been beneficial. They were much better when they ran from spread from 11. So I'm just curious what this offense is going to look like without him on the field. Are they going to say, well, let's run more from 12. 
I don't think that's going to go too well against the Rams. They need to spread the field more and try to run more from 11 personnel these next few weeks. And yeah, pass a little bit more from 12 if you want to, but do spread the field to run because you don't have use check there. It's not going to be the same. I, I think it's going to be a great game, a very important game, but not one that I'm that I'm running to bet yet. Let's see what happens with Debo here. Yeah, well, that, that's the aspect that I'm, I, I just want to complete the thought on because if Debo is out, is there value in grabbing the 42 and a half that under like now, like Thursday, Friday, grab that under and then Debo is declared, you know, def definitively out Saturday night and that number drops by a point and a half? I mean, how far will it go down? What, well, we, de we definitely saw this line got bet up. This this game was a sharp over move. Somebody bet this game towards the over and it got up as high as 43. Today, we started to see some under money buying it off the 43 down to 42 and a half. Um, the Niners secondary was a mess, but it looks like they might have get, gotten a couple of guys back. Uh, the team is getting a little bit healthier on that side of the ball. Uh, but I think the Debo element um, as well as maybe people starting to realize what Juszczyk's absence might do to the passing game uh, is causing some people to, to to reconsider a little bit. I definitely think if Debo gets ruled out, we have seen lines move more for injuries this year than in any of the last few years. It seems like injuries uh, are making a higher percentage of the decision for what groups want to bet. And yeah. it might be right, it might be wrong, but they're factoring into these moves a lot more. So if you think you know what Debo's status is going to be, you could bet the under and then come back and get the over. But I, I, I'm not going to suggest that type of move. But if you're looking to beat this total and you think he's out, now's the time to be betting it for sure. Well, that 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 would be the only angle that I, I would mess with. Otherwise, I just like sitting back and watching these two young fellas, these good buddies go head to head and then give a hug in the middle of the field. I, you know, millennial love. I'm, I'm here for it, Sharpie. Hey, yeah, I, I mean, they're good buddies, but Kyle owns this series. Let's, let's, he does. Like, we can't paint it any other direction. <laughs> Sean McVay gets all the LA love. He, he gets the healthiest team in the league, right? For five straight years. Ever since he's been there, his team's been the number one healthiest. Kyle's had the, the number 32 healthiest team. He's had the most injured team in the NFL. It's totally unfair for him to have to deal with that and McVay to be the golden boy, getting all the, all the love and all the health over in LA. But, such is life. Um, yeah, Kyle I mean, it's, owns not, it's him. not fair. Life's not fair. No, uh, 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 McVeigh has beautiful hair. I mean, that's not you know what. What do you want to say? Beautiful hair cut. McVeigh has McVay. beautiful hair. That buzz he, cut. You think that's beautiful? I mean, it's, he's got he's got the the ability to do something with it. As, I mean, as if a, he grew it out, you could say yeah, he has beautiful hair. I mean. But I, I don't. I don't. I mean, just uh, some dude with a buzz cut and spiking it all on the front. I don't know <laughs> yeah. that I would consider that beautiful all right. hair. But all right. I just think he has options, and I and I'm I'm you jealous, do. That's I'm all. Looking at you right here, you got as many options as he does. I, I got the headset on. I did not on. go with the hat. You're right. I did. I left the hat off because it's it's a Thursday night game. Uh, came out with the full game face. Speaking of full <laughs> game face, what in the hell is going on with Green Bay? I mean, we talked about this on last week's show. You asked me my opinion of whether the C words had a chance, and I said, you know what? I honestly believed. That with Heineke at quarterback, there is just an overall comfort level um, on, on offense. And you immediately saw the relationship between Heineke and McLaurin flourish again. That that Green Bay defense was coming into the season supposed to be renovated, 
escalated, ready to stop the run, and none of those things happened. And now, not even close. They are ten and a half point underdogs. Sunday night football going into Buffalo. Uh, the total's forty eight and a half. I can't come up with a script where Green Bay is going to have success, which means you absolutely have to bet them because that's the way the season has gone. <laughs> but man, what do we what do we make of this Green Bay team? What do we make of this matchup? I don't know who they're going to have healthy at wide receiver because it looks like Lazard right. might be down. I don't Ow. know how many, and it looks like Randall Cobb is down. And so they're going to have to, I, I think they might have four healthy receivers, three healthy receivers. I'm not quite sure what it is going to be. And we know that, okay, so this is usually when we would rely more on Robert Tanyan, big Bob Tanyan. But the problem is the Buffalo Bills are great defending tight ends. So uh, what do you, are you going to throw the ball to your running backs a ton? Aaron Rodgers Last game against the C-Words. This guy had one of the lowest A-dots. He has the shortest time to throws, and he's not running with the football. He, to me, is in massive self-preservation mode. Like, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't want to immediately levitate to that because I still have life to live, but I know it's approaching on the horizon. I just got to extend like life extension. You know, what can I do for life extension? And that is stop taking hits, take care of your body. And so this season, he has not even attempted one single scramble in five games out of the first seven weeks. Last year, he had only six games that he did not scramble the entire season. And the year before that, I think it was only two games that he didn't scramble. So he is down to this point where he's not trying to scramble because he doesn't want to take hits. He wants to get rid of the ball. It's coming out short and fast, shorter and faster than it ever has before for him. Um, and that's causing, obviously, problems for this offense. He doesn't trust his receivers getting down the field. There does seem to be an element of either we're dinking it behind the line of scrimmage or we're throwing it deep, and there's not a whole lot of intermediate passing there, and I don't know the loss of these receivers, how that's going to actually help that in this matchup. Um, so I am concerned about this team in this spot, and it's going to come down to how well does Buffalo come out of their bye? How aggressive are they? How in sync are they? Because I do think if the Bills' offense comes out of the bye without any rust and is out there to prove something on Sunday Night Football, they should be able to, to make this a little bit of a hell situation for the Green Bay Packers defense and then in turn for the Packers offense playing catch-up. And I, I will just throw this out there. What have we seen Matt LaFleur do quite frequently if his team is down? I mean, if this spread is indicative of what actually could happen, if this is like the most likely scenario that this is a double-digit loss for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers might be sitting in the fourth quarter, like some point in this game. It is entirely possible. So I'm not saying that that's what I expect to happen, but the spread is telling us that this is going to be over a 10-point loss for the Green Bay Packers, and they tend to sit Aaron Rodgers at the end of some of these games. So like, it's hard to predict from a, from a betting the total perspective or you know betting the side perspective what you're going to get. Yeah, I'm not messing with this. Cause I'm not getting in front of that, the Buffalo uh, juggernaut. I mean, once they get going, the thing that they do is they just put the, their, their, the pedal to the metal and, and keep on going. Uh, uh, Josh Allen's 10 and one against the spread uh, on, on second half lines. Uh, the bills, uh, they've only failed to cover once in their last 10 games as double digit favorite. I mean, I'm looking at some of the research here. I'm not getting in the way of, of any of that. What what's the 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 game script for for Green Bay? 
their two-headed two-headed running back monster hasn't gotten going at all. I guess both those guys will be catching balls since they don't have any receivers, but we just it's it, your point is the right one. I think that that Aaron Rodgers is seeing light somewhere. It could be a Hiawaka induced light. You know, he's seeing a light coming from a lot of different angles, but he does not look comfortable on the football field. He doesn't look like he wants to be on the football field. That means stay as far away as possible from this game, as far as I'm concerned, but it'll be fun Sunday night. I mean, in Buffalo on Halloween night, imagine how those folks are going to be revved up up there at Orchard Park. That's going to be pretty good, right, Sharpie? Uh, it definitely should be. I'm looking at their stadium. I will just say this, and then then I want to jump ahead, fast forward ahead, House, to one of your bets that you do have, one of the games that you do see value in that you are planning on betting. But I just want to say I saw the uh, depictions of that stadium, and I like it. It looks good. I'm fine with it being open air to stay cold. But if that thing doesn't block out the wind enough, and the Buffalo Bills with this high-powered passing attack in five years or six years or hosting a playoff game against a team that can stop the run and it's windy up there, then they've got nobody to blame but themselves for not building a stadium that is conducive to a high-paid, high-powered passing quarterback who's got a big arm. Like you, you, We've seen Buffalo play in bad weather and especially in windy conditions. It hasn't gone very well. That stadium, you know, I, I see the little angular uh, modules that are built over the over extending out over the bowl there to help try to block out the wind. It better do its job. All right, give me your, give me one of the bets that you really like in this week. House. Well, like the theme of the week for this week eight is the, the, the hollow division leaders. We have the jets, the giants and the Vikings all sitting atop, you know, right there, thick and thick as thieves with these, these top of division kind of records. And We've been waiting for the other shoe to drop. Is this the week that the other shoe drops? We have Arizona getting three and a half points at Minnesota. We have the Giants getting three points uh, in Seattle. And the New York Jets are home dogs against the Patriots after the Patriots put out an all-time stinker on Monday Night Football. My favorite bet on the entire board this week, Sharpie, is the New England Patriots, minus two and a half at the New York Jets. It's it's time to believe in Bill. We have 20 years worth of evidence that when Bill Belichick gets blown out against the spread, he comes back the next game with a vengeance. And I wish we had this division game with both teams, you know, sort of equal in terms of the injury situation, but the poor Jets, what happened to uh, Brees Hall, it's such a bummer because that guy was a beast. It was awesome to watch him. And then uh, Elijah Vera Tucker is is out as well. He was excellent and versatile uh, playing at guard, then right, right tackle. Um, and the offensive line for the Jets was already shaky uh, pass blocking wise. So I, we're not getting the matchup that might have been more interesting with this upstart Jets team. But I'm all in on the Patriots. I, I, I just believe in bill in this situation. They've already announced that Mac Jones is going to start. We're not going to play rotating quarterback. I don't think unless Mac Jones is hurt. And you know, the, 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 the Patriots on both sides of the ball are superior, not that dissimilar from their superiority over the bears. I still would like an explanation for what happened there, but this is my favorite bet of the week. It's the new England Patriots laying two and a half at New York. 
what, what's your thoughts on this one? Well, the explanation is that the New England Patriots defense structurally is not designed to be able to deal with a running mobile quarterback. Um, it's it's almost like Saban's defenses in Alabama for years when like he would go up against that random mobile quarterback and they got gashed and it's like, where they're fucking crushing these other guys. And then this mobile guy, it's like breaking all the rules of this defense and the, they're not built to stop him. Sort of what's happening with the New England Patriots when they go up against the Lamar Jacksons or remember the Colin Kaepernick's and he was able yeah. to do stuff even against this Patriots defense. So uh, that's the explanation for why Justin Fields and Fields came out after the game and said, I molded you know some of the things I was going to do in this game and we incorporate it based upon Lamar and how he played these guys because I've got some of those skill sets in my repertoire. And that's exactly what they brought out here on display. You mentioned Belichick after a loss. And I think a lot of people equate that to Tom Brady. You know, well, Tom and Bill, those guys were amazing after a loss. Like, you know, mortgage your house on these things after a loss. Like, they're going to have success. The last year and a half, the Patriots are actually six and four straight up and seven and three ATS after a loss. And you might say, well, you know, okay, obviously that's not with Tom Brady. That's with Mac Jones here and, and, and other backups that have been playing in Mac Jones stead when he's missed time, um, that those records don't sound very compelling at all. But the reality is that their losses have come to the Bills twice, the Bucks, and the Packers. We are talking about three of the best teams in the NFL led by Josh Allen, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers, like three surefire Hall of Famers when they go and their time is done and they're going to be uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. They're going to go in there on their first ballot. The other games, besides playing a surefire Hall of Famer, which, I mean, Zach Wilson's going to have to do a lot differently to be in that crowd with Allen, Brady, and Rodgers. The other games, these Patriots are 6-0 straight up, 5-1 ATS. The final score, on average, has been 33-10 to after a loss when they don't play a Hall of Fame to be quarterback. Uh, the Patriots' defense, they're going to get back on track. They've played the number one most difficult schedule of opposing offenses this year. And the number two difficult, most difficult schedule of opposing uh, rushing offenses. Since Zach Wilson came back, the Jets are just running above average, above expectation in every single one of his games. And why? It's because he's not that great. He ranks out of 32 quarterbacks. He's dead last in success rate, 30th in completion rate, 28th in EPA per attempt, 28th in first down rate. So they are trying to run the football above expectation a lot. The problem is like Brees Hall was a difference maker for them because we can look at what Brees Hall was delivering versus Michael Carter. They played on the same exact team. And out of 42 quarterbacks, sorry, out of 42 running backs with 50 plus carries, Hall was number four and Carter was number 39 in success rate. Hall was number four and Carter was number 40 in yards after contact per rush. We're talking about a guy who's top five versus a guy who's bottom five, right? Totally different spectrums here as behind the same offensive line, what each of these guys were delivering. And I got a hint. Robinson, James Robinson is yeah. down next to Michael Carter. He's right. He's like next door uh, neighbors with Michael Carter in most of these statistics. He's not mediocre. He's not average. He's not above average. He's not close to Hall, who was elite. He's down by Michael Carter, their next door neighbor. So um, you're right. Elijah Vera Tucker's loss is going to be impactful. And then, yes, this Jets defense has looked great. Yes, they're fun. They're coached by defensive coach. He juices them up. They've got a guy named Juice. They're playing really well. But the reality is, the last four games that this team has won, look at who they've played. And I know you could try to like laugh and mock and, and say that Mac Jones isn't that far off from this category. I do think that you're wrong. Uh, but look, Denver, 
They played them. They were starting a backup quarterback in Brett Rippon. Miami was starting uh, third-string quarterback Skylar Thompson, who got in there after Teddy goes down after one play. Pittsburgh starting Mitchell Trubisky, who played so poorly they pull him for Kenny Pickett. And then Green Bay is Green Bay. We've talked about how this offense looks looks broken. Um, I do think they somewhat fucked Mac Jones in that situation. They had yeah. a a layup, like a wide open layup where like the 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 defense is not even on your side of, of half court. They you, you got a breakaway, you got a perfect pass, and you go up for a layup. All you had to do is, in my opinion, start your youngster. Let mm-hmm. him get in there. And if he stinks, boom, you bring in Mac Jones. If he doesn't stink, then you win the game. And you say Jones wasn't quite ready yet, and now he's going to be ready. I have no idea how you enter that game with a game plan that we're going to start Mac, but he's not at 100% yet, so there's a very good chance that we're going to put Bailey Zappi in there, and then we're going to tell Schefter, somehow Schefter's going to leak, get this information leaked, like this is clearly the game plan. Made no sense to me why they would do that, because now the crowd is like, oh, we're going to see Bailey Zappi if Mac Jones stinks. Of course he's going to stink the first couple of... What quarterback comes in off of like an injury in his first start after missing multiple weeks? Look at what Dak Prescott looked like the first few series. Like They weren't running up and down the field. They were losing to the Detroit Lions at home. But what the difference was is the crowd wasn't booing him, rooting for the backup to come in there because it was pretty evident that they wanted to go with the like, Dak is what's happening and we're not leaking information out that if Dak isn't playing great, we're going to stick the other guy. It was just stupid. So anyways, they've got a lot to make up here for Mac. They came out something that Belichick typically doesn't do from my recollection, like, er, you know, earlier on in the week. Mac is definitely starting for us this week. He doesn't, you know, he could have left it up in the air for the Jets to be trying to figure out. He made it very clear for Mac. Mac, you're starting for us this week. And I think they're going to craft a very good game plan to make Mac's life easy. They're not going to have him dropping back a million times, chucking it all over the field. They don't want interceptions here. They're going to try to figure out the easiest way to beat this team and the defense better step up. Stop Wilson. Stop this run game. That's going to be a drop off from Brees Hall. I like your bet on the New England Patriots. All right, let's move over to the to the Giants who are uh, going into the 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 darling. Really, w- one of our beloved teams, Seattle, really produced a big cash for us last week. Not only as we recommended, did they cover the five and a half point spread, but also, please, I hope all of you listen to Warren Sharp's exhortation: get something on the money line and grab some cash. Seattle uh, did uh, exactly what they've been doing all season long. They did show us. I mean, it's it's very unfair, and and the, the the very quick sidebar on whatever's this this nonsense about Justin Herbert and Tua and all all these ridiculous uh, comparisons. It must be at the time of the season where people have to start making shit up to to start filling. I mean, I I feel like this this season's pretty rich. We don't have to have nonsense, uh, you know, completely fabricated, uh, um, you know competitions that that don't bear anything on what's happening with the season. But we'll put that aside and we'll just talk about the beauty of the season with the Seattle Seahawks. Um they're they're home. They're they're a home favorite and the New York Giants uh you know continue to defy the odds. They're a one of one now, right? The first team in history to be an underdog in five games and to win all of those games outright. I believe I have that statistic correct. Dayball gets to put that on his mantle for the rest of his life. Um, Really interesting matchup to me because 
uh, Gino is going to face a blitz and Gino's not very good against the blitz. But on the other hand, the Giants are having some trouble on the injuries uh, front. Evan Neal and Daniel Bellinger on the offensive side. Bellinger's the tight end. Neal, the right tackle. They're both out. So offensive line issues for, for the Giants. And at some point, it just feels like the other shoe is going to drop. I am really interested in watching this. I'm not sure if I'm going to fire on, on this game, but I'm psyched to watch it. It's an intriguing game. Here we are week eight talking about the Seahawks and the Giants. It's one of the most interesting games on the slate. I mean, that that's what kind of season we're having, Sharpie. It is. But look, I I've been reading these two teams pretty well. Um, I warned people on this pod about the great spot Jacksonville was in, but, but, but Trevor versus Wink and the style of defense is not conducive. The Giants might jump out quickly here. Exactly what happened. I told people about Seattle last week. Now we got both of these teams going up against each other. And what I will say is this. You're absolutely right about the Giants and the way that they've been winning their games and their underdogs. Two concerns that I have. Number one is the travel. The travel has yeah. been brutal for the New York Giants. They go uh, to London, come back, play at home, go down to Jacksonville, Florida, come back. Now they have to go all the way across the country to Seattle, Washington. We're not talking about traveling to the edges of the continental United States, right? We're not talking about going all the way to Seattle and all the way down to Florida. Like we're talking about now we're going internationally over across the pond as well in a four week span. That's a lot of travel. Now they have a bye week that they're really looking forward to, but this is going to be a challenge going over to Seattle and playing in this game, especially with the players that they have injured. Now you mentioned Gino and how he's going to perform here. Here's the biggest thing to me. Trevor Lawrence was number four most sensitive to pressure in the NFL. And we know that the Giants are one of the best teams at getting pressure. Geno Smith dominates pressure. He laughs in your face at your pressure. He's number two in completion rate, number five in success rate, and EPA per attempt and yards per attempt. He's top five in all of those when he is under pressure. So he was born in this darkness. You know, he didn't have to inherit it. He was born here and he's performed well with it. How do the Giants get pressure? It's by blitzing. Are they good at blitzing? Ironically enough, no, they're not. They're actually 10th worst in efficiency when you blitz. And by that, I mean, when you are blitzing, do you get pressure? When you are not blitzing, do you get pressure? They rank bottom 10 in pressure rate when they blitz and bottom 10 in pressure rate when they don't blitz. But the way that they get so much pressure in general, the number of dropbacks that are pressured but on, on their opposing quarterbacks is because they blitz a shitload. And when you blitz, your pressure rate is higher than the pressure rate when you don't blitz. So when you have more snaps where you're blitzing, you are going to have a higher pressure rate in general. It doesn't mean that you're efficient blitzing. It just means you're going to have more snaps that are pressure. They blitz at the number one highest rate of any team in the NFL. Thus, there are going to be plays, especially when Gina's so good under pressure, that I think he's going to be able to beat this blitz and have success down the field. The other thing is Gino destroys man coverage, something that Trevor Lawrence wasn't doing. Gino's the best splits in the NFL where teams play man against him. Versus man, plus 0.62 EPA per attempt, 10.4 yards per attempt. Versus zone, negative EPA and only 7.3 yards per attempt. And then the last little bit here is I think that the run game is going to be important because it looks like we might have a little bit of light rain for this game. 
The Seattle Seahawks have an average run defense. The New York Giants run defense is allowing 2.5 yards before contact on early down running back runs. That is not just the worst rate of any team in the NFL this year, and number 31 isn't even close to them. It's the worst rate for any team since 2015. And now they're going up against one of the most efficient running back groups in the NFL, the Seattle Seahawks, who rank number fourth in yards before contact for running backs on early down runs and number four in EPA. I think the Seahawks are going to have success on the ground. I think the Giants run defense is going to struggle. I'm worried that the defense that they're going to utilize, Wink's defense, is actually going to work as well on Geno as it's worked on like Trevor Lawrence and some of the other quarterbacks. And I just think Seattle, uh, you know, it's not going to be a knock to the Giants. I just don't see them winning another game here, winning their sixth game when they're made an underdog. I think the Seahawks win this game, and I wouldn't be surprised if they cover the spread as well. All right. Well, I hope John DeShrimpsy, uh actually, it's probably good for him if both the Jets and the Giants lose, and, and, and he has to do his New York, New York show after losses for, for both those teams. Buffalo will be playing Sunday night now. I know that that's not you know part of, of the thing, but the, they still rep... Uh, New York. Um, so let's let's go ahead and, and and go through. I mean, we had an outstanding response from all the betting buddies out there. The wager of the week. It's time to go ahead and and, and I think jump into this a little bit. We've gotten some great suggestions uh, all over the place. Uh, w- what are you seeing on the on the on the timeline, Sharpie? Okay, so we've got seventy eight replies to the tweet that was sent out. At some point, we'll get some nice music that leads into this build. Mm. Maybe like, maybe like, um, what is it like a beauty pageant where like while the contestants are up there, like there's some light music playing in the background as they're getting ready to like make their decision as to who to accept here. But um, I'll, I'll just read a few of these and then you've obviously read them as well. And then you're going to be able to decide what to do. There's obviously lots of derivatives. People love playing some derivatives. So I've got like Vikings minus a half in the first quarter. Keep fading the Cardinals early in the game. You got the Detroit Lions plus three and a half. Campbell might be coaching for his job. Players going to rise up for him. Some guys that like the uh, Ellinger. Actually, I think they they spelled his name completely wrong. His first name as well. But uh, they, they like the thought of Sam Ellinger. They called him Shane. Um, let's see. We also got uh, some props. Josh Jacobs over 85 and a half rushing yards. Uh, he's going to have a good day against the Saints run defense, I think. Uh, you got the Patriots minus two and a half. We can't take this one, Jacob M. We love it. House is already on it, though. Colts Commanders, first half under 20. You got the Bengals minus a half in the third quarter. This is one of those derivatives that we've discussed on this show. So uh, people are listening. You guys are paying attention. The I Kevin love that Garnett, one. Kevin Garnett Stan account was on this Bengals minus a half in the third quarter. He got it personally at even money. Um, You got a Vikings to Eagles money line parlay. An old, he's going Redskins money line. They're the C words now, but uh, (laughs) Brian Matthews is is old school. Um, Raheem Mostert over 70 and a half rush yards. Like, I like that one, but check the injury report. Raheem Mostert was uh, downgraded to limited today. Uh, with an injury, hopefully he's going to be able to give him a full go. But there's there's a lot uh, more Pats money line Packers plus eleven Bears plus eleven and uh, Bears plus nine and a half Carolina plus four Cardinals yeah. plus four. So what are, what are you thinking? What uh, of those or of the ones that you've reviewed here? Which one tickles your fancy the most, or or which two are you like the closest to deciding between? Yeah, well, one that I'm not going to do, and I have to apologize to my homie Brandon Anderson over the Action Network earlier in the week on the East Coast Bias version of of the Ringer Gambling Show. 
Tuesdays, we look at the slate. We size stuff up. I absolutely loved Atlanta uh, laying less than a touchdown against Carolina. I just thought it was a great spot. Um, I, I've been impressed by Atlanta's offense all season long. I keep talking about it. Um, and what Arthur Smith has has done has feels like it's, it's gone a little bit unnoticed. Um, there's cluster injuries in the secondary at Atlanta, and I just now I'm off of that. I just can't. My my man, uh, uh, the, the the dream Raheem, the dream uh, uh, Palmer mentioned it on, on the show, and I now feel like yeah, let's just tap the brakes on that one a little bit. One that that did catch my eye. It was the Cowboys uh, team total under. 26 and a half because 26 and a half um, would be the most points that the bears have given up all season long. Not uh, uh, other than um, what they did against the Packers, the bears play teams tight. They've been uh, again, the, other than that Packers game, um, every one of their games is a one score game. And after what they just did against new England, they really controlled the flow of that game because of the rushing attack and they they controlled the pace of the game that way as well. I was so impressed. But then this this uh, Quinn trade midweek, I I don't know what to make of it. Like, what am I supposed to think about about the Bears? What what's your sense of what's going on with the Bears? So Quinn's numbers haven't been shockingly great this year from a statistical perspective, but he's been doubled at a massive rate and thus it's freed up other guys to really make the impact. So it hasn't been Quinn quite as much. Obviously he's getting long in the tooth, but he's still productive, uh, but he's just not racking up the stats. He's, he's making an impact. So now you're going to have fewer uh, double teams on a player and you're going to have these other guys having to win more one-on-one matchups. And so that's, I think, the most immediate impact of it uh, against the Cowboys this week. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of inclined to to play that one, play the Cowboys under 26 and, and a half. Um, Who is this from? Who suggested this? One? Oh, give me two seconds. I'm sorry. I will say while you're looking that up, uh, Bill's total touchdowns over three and a half. We got some others, uh, uh, some teasers. We got money line parlays going on here. Uh, Dolphins minus three and a half. They think they're going to win 27 to 10. Um, Rams, sorry, as much as it pains me as a Rams fan, the 49ers over three and a half sacks. That's a prop from Brandon, uh, BJ Mm -hmm. Salling. We've got a gross one across the pond. They like the over in the Denver Jacksonville game. I do not. No chance. No chance. So do you find a guy that we need to shout out? Cook. He's at fantasy. Schnurd, great Twitter handle. Cowboys team total under 26 and a half against a- Aberflus. I mean, he 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 Aberflustered the shit out of uh Bill Belichick last week. And and I, I really do like that that Cowboys offense is is the reason why we faded them at the outset of the season. They still aren't quite firing on all Zeke's out. Uh um, it's gonna be the Tony Pollard show. And that dimension, I think, could have an impact on, on, on the scoring. I think that's what I'm going to go with. Adam Cook at, at Fantasy Schnurd, Cowboys team total under 26 and a half. There we go. So, Adam Cook, here's the deal. We shouted you out. You're famous on these uh, Ringer Streets, Spotify Network. Everybody's hearing you. This is one of the most popular sports betting podcasts out there. Not only that, House is putting his hard-earned money on your betting recommendation Dallas Cowboys under 26 and a half points on Sunday afternoon. We'll see if it comes through. And if it does, you are in line to win 
some sort of swag, some type of uh, of of thing that at yeah. a minimum house is going to be uh, ponying up, but eventually we're going to get the uh, the big wigs over at Spotify to uh, figure out some type of giveaway for the guys on a weekly basis, and we're going to get you guys something. So uh, obviously this is a this is a interaction type show. You better like this podcast. Go go ahead, give it the five star reviews. Talk to the people about how much you're loving it and interacting with it. And and you keep doing that and we'll keep giving you guys swag every week. Yeah, I'm at least going into the FanDuel closet. I mean, you know, FanDuel uh, has been very good to us. So it's it's time to give it back to the people. We got to give something back to, to all the betting buddies out there. Um, if I may, very quickly, speaking of FanDuel, uh, quick teaser, uh, same time this podcast will be up all day, uh, Friday, there's an NBA slate. I hope everybody's paying attention. The NBA is in full effect. East coast bias with a four leg, at least four leg parlay of the Friday night NBA games. I know for sure the wizards Pacers game is going to be featured in there. I'm pretty sure, um, Raptors and Sixers is going to be fe- featured in there. Um, we're, we're going to put something together for you. East coast bias. We'll try and get, you know, you know what we're doing? We're trying to take one $5 beer and turn it into a multiple of that for all of you out there. So just keep your eyes peeled. That'll go up uh midday, probably tomorrow. That's Friday. Um, look at that NBA slate and, and get down with it. There you go. So you're going to be paying attention to how many points the Cowboys score here. Can't let them get 27 or more looking at that Patriots money line. Uh, looking at what's going to happen in the Seahawks game. Uh, I think it is going to be a fun day. We're going to see if the Buffalo Bills can make Aaron Rodgers ride the pine in the fourth quarter. I'm not sure if that's going to end up happening, uh, but we shall see and and see how the Seawards do against Sam Ellinger, a backup quarterback. We didn't get into that game, but uh, that'll be fun to discuss next week to see, you know, if they, if they lose that game, you know, I don't know. That could be a low point for your house. Um, you know, well, I don't. I, I mean, I'm not. That, that's a stay away for me. I, I don't. There's, there's, there's too much. Uh, you know, because if the Seawards win, they're, they're, they're back in, in, in the playoff picture potentially. And I'm going to use that word playoffs. Yes, playoffs. But, yeah, there's. I mean, just like that Falcon, uh, Falcons Panthers game is. You know, they're not even going to be above 500, but they're going to be leading their division. So. There's a lot of weirdness going on in the in the season that has tons of variants. And so uh, stay careful out in those streets. But good luck, everybody. Thank you for listening. The Ringer Gambling Show will be back on Sunday when Raheem shares his top five picks. Plus, we'll continue to have more content for you every single week. JJ and Raheem on Monday. East Coast Bias on Tuesday. Give this podcast a five-star review. Thanks for listening. And to Joe House, thanks for joining me. Thanks for going in that closet of yours that has all this merch that you've been rewarded with in the past for your good deeds and your gambling over at FanDuel and, uh, you know, for throwing that out to some of these winners. Thanks for everybody participating and to Mike Wargron and Steve Cerruti for producing today's episode. Best of luck with all your bets this weekend.